0: Welcome to Tech Talks in 20. I'm Michael Logan.
1: And I'm Ginger Conlon.
0: Ginger, got a question. Have you ever used an app or gone to a site and were so frustrated by the design, you just closed it? Like, okay, I can't do this today. Other than doing meetings with me when you're talking to me and you're just like, I can't do this today. And you close it down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have come across a couple of apps that probably didn't put enough uh, thinking into their user experience and made it easy for maybe for them because they were used to it. But someone coming along who wasn't familiar, it was uh, really not intuitive at all.
0: You mean like uh, business business centered and not human centered? Like you
1: exactly, would exactly, exactly. You have to use your design thinking when you're creating that user experience, whether it's for the consumers, but also for agents and for the software engineers who are improving products.
0: If only we could find out more.
1: We can. We have Christine Curtis, who is a vice president of user experience and design at Genesis, to talk all about user experience, design thinking, and lots more. Christine Curtis, we are so glad you're here with us on Tech Talks with 20. Please tell us about yourself and your role at Genesis.
2: Hey, Ginger. Thanks so much. Yeah, my name is Christine, and I lead the user experience team here at Genesis. At Genesis, we like to focus on two different things. In uh, user experience, we focus on product design and design thinking, really that practical and the application thereof across our platform.
0: I feel like we should get deeper into that. I mean, it sounds like there's two different pillars. Tell us. Can you tell us a little more about those two pillars and why they're so important?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So our product design pillar is made up of two parts, right? We have product design, and we have product research. Um, These are led by two uh, amazing folks here at Genesis, and they both have robust teams. Our product research is really focused around talking to customers, uh, researching current and future designs, and really how what we're doing right now is impacting our customer base. They take all that amazing feedback and they work directly with our product designers to improve our product, to launch new features, um, and to really think about our strategy going forward. Our design thinking pillar sits at a more strategic level within Genesis. They work not only with the product, but also across the entire Genesis company platform in order to help us bring human-centered thinking into the decisions Genesis makes, everything from finance to sales to the actual design of our platform and product.
1: I love that because you've got, um, you're thinking about the technology, but you've got the human element woven in the whole way. So the design thinking, but also all the talking that you're doing to customers. So of course, that brings us to the first other big question, which is why is user experience so important for customer experience technology today in terms of not only the agents using it, but also the software engineers who are you know, making their their customizations or any tweaks or developments that they're adding to the products.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where product design and research really shine, right? We bring at Genesis a unified component platform. It's a design library. It's not only design work, but it is also um, customizable front-end componentry that is fully accessibly compliant and reusable throughout our entire platform. When our technologists inside or outside of Genesis pick up these components and use them within the development of the Genesis product, they are getting ready to use products that are already built, right? With our customer in mind, they're already researched by our research team. We've already made decisions about the most important ways these workflows should work with our design thinking strategists who work inside and outside of Genesis by allowing people to pick up these pre-made ready tested to use components they're not only getting you know the very tangible benefits of of accessibility and ease of implementation we're saving the engineers time there right but they're also getting consistency across the genesis platform so that our users our agents anyone who has to step into genesis day in and day out will have a seamless experience between the ui that genesis has developed and any additional uis configurations or integrations that individuals are bringing to the table
0: or what considerations are made when you're migrating to a cloud or or adding add-on tools?
2: So when we talk about migrating into the cloud, and you know certainly that that becomes the next question. Integrations. Uh, there's there's plenty of cloud integrations uh, that you can bring into the Genesis product. We talk about user consistency, and it's that speed to accomplish things and and accuracy to accomplish things. And if you are using a consistent UX, a consistent UI, consistent patterns um, throughout your integrations, throughout your migrations, then your agents, your users require less training. Um, Your engineers have to do less on the ground work to make sure that these things are going to be seamless and move forward. Most of us have goals around, you know, upskilling, around training, around time, labor, accomplishment. All of these things can be reduced and accomplished if folks know where things are, if folks know what things do, right? It it sounds silly, but if you always put the next button in the same place on a page, people will, they'll find it naturally, no matter what page they're on, no matter what product they're in, no matter what integration they're working with. They know in Genesis, this is how I move to the next step. We teach them. And then they learn, they bring that teaching with themselves and and they make their jobs better.
1: So it sounds like with composability, it's that follows exactly what you've just said right no matter if it's how many pieces of the puzzle you're 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 putting together or lego blocks that you're building if you want to look at it that way um as long as there's that consistency across them you're going to help your users have that better experience
2: yeah absolutely and i think composability is is kind of our our bigger step up right when we talk about design libraries and components and systems they're really on on that smaller usually more atomic level Composability starts to get into the larger ability for entire system components, let's say a form, let's say a widget that shows you status to be picked up and moved around and added to pages in a completely consistent manner. For instance, we now vend an email uh, composable component that you can pick up and it will generate a consistent email with your message to your users, whether that's internal or external. And your user will learn what a Genesis-based email looks like for your company. (laughs) They'll know it's not spam. They'll know how to act on it. They're going to learn from these patterns. It's going to increase their productivity. It's going to increase your customer satisfaction because of that consistency of the composable component that we're vending out.
0: So you guys don't read your spam emails? I, I read every <laughs> single email I get. I don't, am I supposed to do that? No. I it's at the,
2: <laughs> can't even imagine trying to read every email I get.
0: Right. Well, I guess that's a, and and I'll ask this, what's the, what are some of the common uh, barriers or issues you experience when designing UX? And, and when you talk about composability, you're bringing all these features together, um, whether you're building them or, or buying them, what are some of the common barriers and, and issues around that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the biggest barrier we see um, from the customer-focused perspective is uh, speed to market, right? It's a, it's a lot easier for uh, to a company to build something very quickly um, and, and to get it out there. And that is often a very successful path, right? Uh, however, if you if you slow down about 10%, uh, you can pick up these component trees, these libraries, these these components. You can bring them into what you're doing. Uh, build in that capacity and you're going to gain uh, so much on the back end, right? Uh, While you will slow down your product development life cycle. And I know everyone is scared of the term slow down right in front of product development life cycle. It's, It's a terrifying phrase to put together. Uh, the benefits are are absolutely astounding on the back end. And that's why every major tech company in the world, including Genesis, invests so heavily um, in user experience and user research. Because we realize that building something that works for the customer is ultimately a better product, even if it takes a little bit longer to get to market.
1: It's like you have to slow down to speed up the benefits and results. <laughs> absolutely. You, you talked about... Um... Learning from patterns and consistencies as a as a benefit of helping users uh, improve their experiences. Anything that gets overlooked
2: that's worth mentioning? Um, I think that sometimes we 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 often think that um, changes to the experience are not as important to changes to the UI. Uh, you know, I, I I see that come up as a as a reoccurring uh, problem time and again. You know, we we have uh, parts of our product development lifecycle come in and they'll be like, well, I just changed how this how this worked, how this form worked, how this button worked, what this error message was. I didn't change the UI, I didn't step out of the library, I didn't change the component, so I should be safe, right? I don't need to consult a designer or a researcher about how this might impact the customer. And the reality is those things impact the customer as much as anything else you could do. So my advice there is really stop and think about if I'm changing how this error message works, because I, you know, I think my customers would prefer it a different way. That's amazing. Let's definitely take that feedback, but just reach out, right? Drop drop your designer an email, get them on Slack, give them a little uh, heads up what you're doing because uh, they might have a little insight, very lightweight, a little insight on on how that might impact the bigger picture. Your designer's greatest uh, value to their team is really that they look at the bigger picture of the product. As so often, software development lifecycle, we're organized into product teams, into feature teams, so we can really focus and become SMEs in that space, and it's very successful. Your designer is generally looking across all of those teams to see how the customer is viewing the product, not how our teams are viewing the product, and it's a it's a valuable resource we should all be tapping into a little bit more.
0: A lot of design, uh, th- I, I- there's just a lot of design thinking that goes into that. T- tell us a little bit about design thinking and how it fits into all this process that you're that you're um, talking about.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Our design thinking team here at Genesis is uh, incredibly robust, uh, mature set of individuals. If you haven't heard any of them speak or gone to one of their seminars, I absolutely recommend it. They travel all year. Um, they just got back from I think four seminars in in Australia down there with some clients and our sales folks. Uh, that were very successful. So what they're really stepping in and doing is taking that even higher approach, right? To uh, to to the product, to the company, to the market, um, and to the products we're solving. Um, they're bringing those human centered approaches into problems that are are very numerical, often into into finance, into sales. Um, when we talk about products and you know what we should develop next and how we should develop it next. We often talk about market valuation, market share. We talk about, you know, customer value and and things of that nature. Our design thinking team comes in and pulls us back from that and brings the human-centered approach in. How are the people that are going to interact with this, enjoy it? How is it going to add value to their company, not to ours? Um, Our design thinkers really bring that piece back into the puzzle. Um, And they drive really, really consistent solutions um, yeah, I say consistent, not because they're all the same solution. I drive, I say consistent because usually when folks walk out of these seminars, which last anywhere from a day to three days, um, everyone, all the diverse perspectives at the table have learned something um, and they come away with just new ideas about how they've never thought about the problems before. It has led us to some of our biggest kind of really amazing ideas here at Genesis and, and I know across the industry in general. Um, design thinking is is a very valuable way to approach not only product problems, uh, but really any problem that requires a human-centered solution. And when, what problem doesn't require a human-centered solution? I mean, we're solving everything for people, right? Absolutely. So when you're
1: doing the design thinking with that human-centered approach, are you seeing like personas being brought into it and how you, you need to consider the perspectives of the different users involved and supervisors involved?
2: Yeah, we certainly do bring in personas, uh, especially when we're talking about product work and future looking product strategy. Um, usually when we're relying heavily on personas within uh, a design thinking workshop, we'll bring in some of our researchers uh, we have people on our research team that sit under our UX pillar that uh, are experts in our personas. They they full time. This is their jobs. Uh, they maintain, they curate, and they continue to research and talk to these personas. Uh, live in person from not only our customers, but also folks outside of our customers, right? We talk to agents who don't use the Genesis platform. We talk to supervisors who don't use the Genesis platform because we want everyone's perspective to come in and help us build these personas. So we'll have those persona experts from our research team come join our design thinking sprints, our design thinking workshops, uh, just to be that SME in the room because someone always wants to dig in, right? And that's great. There's always some some person in the room that's like, well, but that agent persona in my perspective, right, doesn't, doesn't work like this. It does work like this. So having those experts in the room, they can come in, they can break down the research they've done, they can pull in the actual verbatims, and we can really talk about that and learn and grow both ways.
0: Uh, when you do have a completed m- model, how do you measure the success of it when you've completed a UX design? And uh, is there a way to measure it? And if so, how?
2: That's a great question. That is the million-dollar question in the user experience industry. Um, there are many answers. There are there are certainly some companies that have instrumented um you know their entire front ends, their entire uh, end-to-end experiences, based on monetary value. Uh, you know what kind of downstream impact is this change having? This flow having this button having this verbiage having all of these things, right? There are certain companies that have instrumented to ideal outcomes. Perhaps their ideal outcome is not monetary, it's not conversion, it's not downstream impact, perhaps it's simply completion, right? Or it is reduced time on task or increased time on task as the case may be. Um, These things are very easy in some cases to instrument if you understand what your goals are. Um, They can also be very difficult to instrument if you understand what your goals are, right? If if you want to make some changes to a workflow and know what happens 12 months from now, uh, it can be instrumented. I've seen companies that do it certainly. Um, but it's it's very it's very difficult. Most companies usually settle for um, something around you know a customer experience score. You know the. Your customer service team, your customer experience team, outside of the UX team, often gets a lot of this feedback directly. Something is working, something is not working, um, and they collect those things. You, You end up with a customer satisfaction score from that direction, and you can kind of pinpoint where things are working and or not working, right, as the case may be. Now, there are certainly tools on the market that can tell you where in a workflow people are getting stuck, where they're dropping off, where they're spending too much time. Like all of that is very instrumentable, but the key in all of it is figuring. Figuring out what your actual goals are uh, as a company, right? As a team, as a product organization, whatever level you're looking at it at, uh, and and really instrumenting toward your own goals. Um, so sadly, there's no one size fits all solution, I think, for that answer. But uh, there's there's lots of options in the market. What did we miss? What what should people know that we didn't ask you about? Wow, that's that's a fun question. Um, what should people know that you didn't ask me about? Um, you know, you just think of your user experience professional as as your customer in the room. Um, that is, I, I say that a lot, and I think folks don't take it to heart quite enough. You know, I say, you know, when you when you're like, I'm building this thing, and you know, I I think the customer is going to love it, and I you know, it's going to make us a lot of money, and it's going to make our customers very happy. You know. Look to your look to your US expert, not so much as your designer, you know, not as where should I put this or what color should it be? Or, you know, have we done any research on this? Really, look to those folks as as the voice of your customer. Ask them how they think your customer is going to feel about this. Ask them if they see any, you know, benefits or opportunities or or maybe detractors if this was done to the to the workflow in general, to the platform in general. Um, You'd be surprised what kind of interesting answers and and really valuable insight they bring to the table just as the voice of the customer, not necessarily as a a UI designer or a research provider. And could that customer be not only the end
1: consumer, but also, say, the agent who's in the weeds of the system
2: every day and and what their experience is like? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When we, when we talk about the customer, we often, you know, that's a very encompassing word. Um, And we often stop ourselves even within conversations amongst each other. And we say, wait, who are we talking about? Right. Are we talking about agents that are going to use this? Or are we talking about the person that's going to buy this? Right. Is this, is this for the sale? Right. Is this for the agent? Is, is this for the supervisor? And oftentimes these things are dichotomous, you know, Uh, something that perhaps helps one might hinder the Workflow of another, um, and there's a balance, and and folks and teams should really understand the balance when they're adding or subtracting features, as to you know where it's going to shift the help or the hindrance. You know they're going to slow one person while they speed another. It's always a choice, and the team needs to be aware, right? So they can make those choices in the smartest way possible.
0: Well, Christine, we really appreciate your expert all the all the knowledge you brought to us on, a, on, a, on developing these UIs and, and everything that goes into it. And we really thank you for your time.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I had a great time with you guys today.
1: Well, Christine Curtis gave us some great advice on user experience and design thinking and how important it is to weave customers into your products and the experiences of using them. What did you take away, Michael?
0: So it was the slowdown, right? I think everyone, that's an odd thing to say when you're trying to develop and you're trying to do uh, innovate and be quick to your innovations, but slow down 10%. And the advantage of that is you get an inc- you get a better product. And I think that's what she was uh, uh, alluding to. And then also uh, to ensure that you get a better pro- product, you have to have success measurements. And she was very clear on the way to get to your success by knowing your goals first. Understanding your goals will help you define your success in that UX design.
1: Absolutely. And one of the other things in terms of pieces of information that you need is the voice of the customer. So along with, of course, asking customers what they want and, and users like agents and software engineers, also she had made the great point of, Your design professional, your UX professional, think of that person as the voice of the customer in the room when you're having meetings about what to do to uh, improve your user experience.
0: And as we close this week's episode of Tech Talks in 20, I want to thank everyone for listening and hope you're able to take something away from today's topic. Before we leave you, we wanted to remind you to be sure to take advantage of the resources listed below on genesis.com. These expand on today's topic and will leave you with some additional information. Also, be sure to click subscribe and get notified on previous and new episodes of the podcast. And feel free to share with your colleagues and friends. Again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of Tech Talks in 20.